0: Uh, My name is Esme, and I am super excited to be continuing our theme of whole life faith, um, which we've been journeying through for the last um, three weeks here at Blueprint. Um, And this time I'm going to be focusing on rhythms of generosity and how we can build rhythms of generosity into our lives. And this is yeah, a super significant topic to me and one that I really, really care about. And um, yeah, because of that, it was hard to pull lots of different thoughts together, but I tried to focus on... um, yeah, why I think generosity is not just important for us to have in our lives, but why it's really important to have those as rhythms and how they help to shape our, um, our faiths and our faiths as whole of life faiths. Um, so I think the best place to start is um, to talk about why, why we are generous and why we are called to be generous. Um, I believe the most important reason why we should build generosity into our lives is because Jesus was generous. All throughout scripture, there are references to generosity and calls to be generous. In Luke uh, chapter 3, verse 11, it says, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Um, Basil the Great, um, who was a bishop from the year uh, 330, he has a great riff on this. I love this one. He says, when someone steals another's clothes, we call them a thief. Should we not give the same name to one who could clothe the naked and does not? The bread in your cupboard belongs to the hungry. The coat unused in your closet belongs to the one who needs it. The shoes rotting in your closet belong to the one who has no shoes. The money which you hoard up belongs to the poor. But I want to argue there is another reason why we want to build rhythms of generosity into our lives. And that is because generosity gives us freedom. The parkyard dominated Wellington Central life I live in, and that I imagine a lot of people in this world also live in, is a world that is guided by a couple of core cultural laws. These laws are you are what you produce and how much and how well you produce determines how much you get back in life. We see these laws played out in advertising, in schools, and even day to day when we ask people, what do you do as a form of getting to know someone? When these cultural laws are followed, when you produce lots and are rewarded by lots of things in return, we sometimes call this fairness. Now, fairness can mean a lot of things, um, but this particular brand of fairness And the brand of fairness that I see a lot of people around me bound up in is the notion that if I do this, I deserve to get this. And if this person gets this and I work harder than them, then I should get even more. We see this play out in our world today, and we also see it in scripture, in the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And I'm going to read that now. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner those who were hired last worked only one hour they said and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day but he answered one of them i am not being unfair to you friend didn't you agree to work for a denarius take your pay and go i want to give the one who was hired last the same as i gave you this parable is written for a reason it's because whether we like it or not this passage is confronting it is confronting to think that someone who worked less hard than us should get what we get. We also know holding tightly to the belief of we are what we produce and what we produce is what we get back can lead us to be caught in the traps of anxiety and fear. where We can feel a constant need to perform. I believe that generosity uniquely allows us to step outside of these cultural rules and allows us to have true freedom from them. So I'm going to ask you to pause the video now because I know it's tough to just watch a video um, with no interaction, um, and turn to the person next to you. On you just to discuss: Have you seen these laws of you are what you produce, and what you produce determines how much you get? Um, have you seen them play out in your lives, and how have they? How have you felt they've impacted you? Great. Right. Hopefully, some cool things came out of that conversation. Hopefully, um, you're with me. Um, now. Um, So why do I want to talk about these things in a sermon about generosity? I think that generosity is the easiest way to escape from these cultural laws. And when we create rhythms of generosity, we create rhythms that allow us to live outside of them and therefore live in true freedom. Living by rhythms of generosity and freedom are core to a whole life faith. One of my favorite things ever said comes from Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Why don't you choose to be led by the spirit and so escape the erratic compulsion of a law-dominated existence? When When we talk about freedom gained from generosity, I don't mean just giving. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44, we learn a lot about the nature of generosity. I'm going to read that now. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Here we learn that generosity is not about the amount given, but is about the cost to the person giving it. I also believe that the more costly our generosity is, The more freedom it can offer us so i'm going to talk about two different forms of generosity today and two that i believe that once we form a practice of leaning into generosity with how we can walk more into freedom so the first one is one we often think about when we think about generosity we often think about money and resources a couple of months ago i had a hectic morning at work I'd gone to the Wellington Library to do some blueprint work in the afternoon. But before I began, I felt like doing what I always do to make myself feel better when I feel hectic or stressed, which is online shopping. So I sat down and I opened up a tab and went to buy a $60 shirt that I'd been looking at for a while. But before I completed the purchase, I was distracted by a woman on the phone. She was talking to her daughter who sounded like she needed a microwave. Her daughter had found one on Vic Deals for $30, but didn't have enough money to buy it. So this woman, who had one of those old Nokia button phones, said she had been saving up, so she was able to give her the money. So she hung up from her daughter and called her bank. I then listened as she spent the next hour and a half navigating layers of customer support in order to do a phone transfer of the money to her daughter. She eventually got the money transferred, but by the time she had got back to her daughter on the phone, the microwave had been purchased by someone else. However, the daughter had found another one that was $35. The woman then hung up and completed all of the same steps again to transfer another $5. I sat there three hours later, listening in on this conversation, looking at the $60 shirt at my fingertips, and thought about what freedoms each of us had. I am lucky enough to have the freedoms afforded to me by privilege. I have freedom that comes with being able to buy things whenever I want, freedom to shop and eat where I want, and freedom to transfer money in a matter of seconds using the internet. But I'm also trapped by the feeling that I need to reward myself with possessions when I work hard. I am trapped by feeling like I need to own expensive items to feel good about myself. By the end of the conversation, the woman was laughing at her daughter and telling her she better make her a good mac and cheese next time she goes around. I am also trapped by the false myth that the things I get because I work hard are the things that will lead me into joy. I believe the easiest rhythm to work into your life with generosity of money and resource is to give away your favorite things. When I was 20 and pretty early in my faith journey, I had a flatmate who was moving to Mexico. At the time, the coolest piece of clothing I owned was a Levi's denim jacket from the 70s that my dad had worn as a teenager. My flatmate, who was moving, really liked to borrow the jacket. This flatmate, was, I remember the day she was moving out. I was hugging her goodbye and felt so strongly, God say to me, give her the jacket. I was super confronted by this and I didn't want to. It was a family gift. It was worth a lot of money. And I was a student, so I knew I wouldn't be able to afford any other clothes nearly as cool. But I gave her the jacket. And as she drove away, I felt so powerful and so much more free than I had in a long time. I had given away my favorite possession and I still felt okay. From then on, I created a practice every year of giving away the thing that I liked the most. Once you practice giving away your things, you gain freedom from them. If you are okay to give away your jacket, you don't live in fear when your flatmate leaves the front door open, or your messy friend asks to borrow it. So I'm going to pause the video now and ask you to turn to the person next to you to discuss, outside of the things that are necessary to your day-to-day life, what would be your hardest thing to give away? One of the other places we can build rhythms of generosity is how we spend our time. Being generous with our time frees us from the trap of taking it too seriously. I once had a friend who told me that she had, that she created a website for posting film reviews because she wanted to watch movies. She felt that she needed to justify watching movies by creating something out of them, or it was a waste of time. I had another friend who was really into crochet, but as soon as she got good at it, everyone started telling her she needed to set up an Etsy store to sell her creations. Another core cultural law of the world we live in is the law that we must always have something to show for our time. Generosity allows us to step outside of this. It frees us from the need for every minute to feel like it is critical. It frees us from the feeling that everything we do needs to produce something that we can look at later on. Remember that quote from Galatians. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Why don't you choose to be led by the spirit and so escape the erratic compulsion of a law-dominated existence? When we freely give away our time, we laugh in the face of the idea that you are what you produce. We step outside of this cultural narrative that that traps us by radically choosing to give away our time for no monetary, possessional or reputational advantage. One way to build a rhythm of generosity into your life is to think about the most unseen chore in your home or in your workplace and commit to doing it whenever you get the chance. In my house, the most thankless task is putting away the dishes. We have two giant drying racks, which means that you can leave your dishes to drip dry infinitely. So often I get home late at night and see all the dishes piled up and I go straight to my room. But often I get up and the dishes have been put away. I often think about the mysterious person who does this, as I walk past too caught up in my own world and feeling too busy with other important things to do. So turn to the person next to you and discuss what is the most unseen chore you can think of. And is there a way that you could do that chore next time you see it? So finally, to summarize, you can't live a whole life faith without displacing other things that are taking up space. In this case, The belief that you are what you produce must be displaced with the belief that you are a child of God. The belief that the the more you produce, the more you deserve, must be displaced with the reminder that all of our resource and all of our time ultimately belongs to God. In my life, although I'm so far off living into these beliefs, and so often find myself buying $60 t-shirts, I have found intentional generosity to be the quickest path to changing my heart in this direction. So now I'm going to pray for us. Um, thank you Lord for um, these people and um, yeah just thank you for um, the journey that you have us on and have all of our church on um, around whole life faith I just pray that um, yeah that um, that the parts of us have spoken to us that we feel empowered and equipped to enact them in our lives and I pray that um, yeah that that we are able to um, freely give but also freely receive um, in times to come and just bless the rest of the service amen cool and thank you for having me